0: Welcome, everyone, to Couch Potato Diary on this Tuesday. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. The Grey Cup is set. It's another week in the books in the NFL, and the Calgary Flames continue to be bad. That's what we're looking at on the show today. As always, uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Um... First of all, a gigantic thank you to everyone who tuned in on HN Live and to the HN Live folks themselves. Um, just a, a remarkable weekend of hockey, and I'll get into that. Today's going to be a two-parter. Uh, took the day off yesterday for the stat holiday, and so today we are going to do the Monday episode and then the Tuesday episode, just both on the Tuesday. Um, but again, a, a massive shout out to everyone at HN Live. Um, just a, a fantastic production out there and putting on a, a great show. in... Um, Just kind of having us do our thing and they make life very easy and some really good hockey coming up. Uh, I'm gonna get some of my thoughts out on that in in part two. Not like gigantic scouting report on a 13 year old, but uh, just kind of overall notes from the weekend. Um, So that is what is coming up. Um, Other than that, it's just business as usual this week. Um, Yeah, we got uh, today. We got the Grey Cup is set. We're gonna look at the East and West division final. Uh, The NFL was what it was this week. Um, I'm going to do something called diary entry. Um, I, I've kind of done this a little bit before. If you are a longtime fan of mine, um, th- then you will know this one. But uh, we're going to get into that. We are going to look at um, uh, going to look at what happened at the UFC this weekend, and we're going to get into today's ticket. So there's a lot to get to. I should probably just stop talking and get into it with a fancy new graphic as we get ready for the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup in Hamilton goes this weekend, and we now know the participants. It's Tuesday, we better. Uh, <laughs> it will be the Montreal Alouettes taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We will get to the West Division champions in a second. First, let's start out east with Montreal. Uh, a surprising win over the Toronto Argonauts, but just a phenomenal performance from that defense. That that was the one that stole the show, right? Like, you're going to see, what was it, 33, 38 points that, that Montreal put up? You're going to see that and go, oh man. Cody Fajardo balled out. And actually, I think quite the opposite. I'm not going to be too critical of the two teams in the Grey Cup just yet. That'll be for for later in the week. But um, for now, I think the main thing that you have to look at from this Montreal team is how well that defense played. And I think specifically how well that front seven played um, as they were getting... Pressure on on Chad Kelly and forcing some pretty bad throws, at least early on. They they were the ones that rattled Kelly. Anyway, um, you see that first down, or that first drive of the game. Ooh, that makes the run to the outside, and it's like, okay, boy, well, they can do that whenever they want. And then it's a couple quick passes, and it's just chunk, 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 chunk play all the way down. And then they get to the goal line, and it's intercepted. Why? Because there's pressure in Kelly's face, it forces a throw that needs to be on the outside and it puts it inside. And it's just that, it it's the distance across a human being, but that was enough to get an interception and a pick six. And from there, something had flipped in Kelly, who has been spectacular this season. Um, he's going to be the MOP, that should not be questioned. He is absolutely 100%, or was actually 100%, the best player in the Canadian Football League this season um but he got rattled in this game. This was this was a really really bad performance and quite frankly it was probably his first. Not a great time to do that. Uh not a great time to have your your worst performance um being in the East Division final at home in front of basically a sold out crowd out in Toronto. But this was such a dominant performance from the defense. But I do think you have to look at um at Kelly and it's at least an eyebrow raising thing. Like he he is still one like the the most talented quarterback I think in the league um and Toronto is going to be a Grey Cup favorite next year I would presume so like this isn't a oh man well I guess Toronto actually did suck and Kelly's not that good that that's not what this is but this was one of the first times that adversity had been felt because like even going back to Kelly getting subbed in for the Grey Cup because of injury um he comes in and there wasn't a whole, I don't want to say a lot of resistance, but he was just able to, to move the ball and move the ball and move the ball, and off they go. Oh, my dog's dreaming. Um, but you, you for, for him now, this team didn't, like, he did not handle adversity all that well in this game. I think he will be fine. I think Toronto will be fine. I think this is just a learning experience for, for the the Toronto Argonauts quarterback. Um, after that, like, the, the offense for Montreal just did enough, right? Like, they were put in good spots, um, maybe a few too many field goals. Like, as this game was going on, it was, like, it was field goal, field goal, field goal. So, okay, I, it feels like you're letting Toronto hang around in this game. And then eventually, it just, it got to be too much. And then that last pick six just closes the door. But, um... They, they, they did enough offensively to, to win this game and not give it right back to Toronto because Fajardo has had those games too. But he, he and this offense did enough to take advantage, put points on the board when they were given, and make your way to the Grey Cup. Basically, they just didn't screw up a great performance from, uh, from their defense. But yeah, Montreal, a shocker off to the the Grey Cup after a dominant win in the East Final. Toronto will certainly regroup and be back next season, I I have no question. In the West Final, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, with, again, a a relatively convincing performance. Um, This was a one-possession game until very, very late. And um, I think a lot of it, again, comes down to the play of that Winnipeg defense. They sacked Vernon Adams ten times. They were in his face all evening, out in a cold, blustery Winnipeg. And Jackson Jeffcoat was a vintage Jackson Jeffcoat performance um, with his pressure kind of up the middle and just all of them that they were, they were in the, the face of Vernon Adams all night long and that forced some interceptions it it took bc out of field goal range it was just it didn't let the lions become a big play offense because they did not have time to set up the big play that was i think the big takeaway there um and what really kind of set the tone for this game for winnipeg was oliveira on that first drive that touchdown he gets pushed in but he's it's that leg drive too right like it's not what we're seeing with the the brotherly shove in the nfl it's not just everyone pushing you that gets you. You need that leg drive from the player who has the football. And he provided that. But it was just the whole drive was him. And he really set that tone like, hey, we are going to come out here and we're just going to punch in the mouth for 60 minutes. And that's what they did. Um, a, a really strong performance from from this team all over. For BC, it's tough, man. Like, they, they are a really talented team. But there's just a couple of losses throughout the year that... I think really set them back. This game might be a different story if they're able to play it indoors in Vancouver. They beat most of the bad teams, but there was just so many wins this season that they needed in games where they needed it that they didn't get it. And I, I think Vernon Adams is really talented. Um... I would maybe like another playmaker and then if that's the pressure that's going to be faced by Winnipeg you're you're going to have to address the the offensive line a little bit. I think out in BC defensively I thought they played fine um but like again they're the second best team in the west and have I think a real chance of being the best team in the West um, maybe just as Winnipeg kind of ages out of this thing but that's that it wasn't this year and so I, I think that there needs to be a couple of additions to take this team over the top but it should be a fun great Cup um Montreal against Winnipeg we're gonna be we're gonna be focusing on this throughout the week um great Cup coverage this week. On part two of this episode, we're going to look at the early storylines that I'm going to be following as we get ready for the big game. Coming up on Wednesday, I will be revealing the CFL GOAT rankings. On Thursday, it will be the top players in the Canadian Football League. And on Friday, it will be a full breakdown of the Great Cup between the Montreal Alouettes and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So there is your CFL talk. Let's get into a little NFL. <laughs> All right. Um normally we do the NFL recap on Monday show so we don't have the Monday nighter to react to, but it's Tuesday so we do. Um the Buffalo Bills continue to be frauds, right? Like that's that's the main story. I think honestly from this weekend, the main story is once again the Buffalo Bills as a championship contender are just frauds. Um that this was a putrid performance against a Denver team that has not been much resistance for others uh somehow denver's four and five but the buffalo like the bills are half a game up on denver um it, it was just bad you can fire the, the the offensive coordinator all you want i think sean mcdermott is be it, it's becoming more and more apparent that whatever he is doing is a bit of the problem as well like i I think that McDermott has done a really good job of getting Buffalo out of the we haven't won a playoff game in a thousand years um rut. But I think to put this team over the top, there needs to be another guy in charge. Um, uh, but this is bad. Like it's um that they have some like the, that that penalty at the end, you can fire all the offensive coordinators you want, man. Um and, and look, as someone who's a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, I know that penalty well. Everyone's gonna say, Oh no, this was my fault. Oh, it was my fault. Oh, it was my fault. At the end of the day, man, you just, like, that is so basic to to know how many players are out there, and um, offensively, like, they just couldn't do anything, so they fire the offensive coordinator, but it sounds like McDermott was kind of involved in some of that as well. Um, We've been saying for a bit they need at least one more weapon on that team, and honestly, probably two, and defensively, this team has been banged up, but... Defense wasn't the problem. Like, this is just, this isn't as good of a football team. And now that the the rest of the AFC has kind of caught up, we're seeing the Bills fall further and further and further and further behind. Um, Sunday Night Football, the Raiders somehow are a 500-football team. That was an atrocious football game. Max Crosby is an absolute game-wrecker, 100% um Aiden O'Connell I think we figured out he's not an NFL quarterback Zach Wilson I think we figured out he's not an NFL quarterback that, that game was just brutal like it, it was an awful game with two teams in playoff contention I think it really does show the desperate state of the NFL right now they are desperate for a real good quarterback class and it sounds like you're gonna get one right like it, it sounds like there are four first round talents in this draft um legitimate ones not like that one where was, oh well it's Mac Jones <laughs> he's going in the first round so whatever Mac Jones isn't a first-round quarterback. Mac Jones might not be an NFL quarterback. Um, it's just quarterbacking in this league right now is really bad. We, we need a couple of good drafts to get it back to a point where we need it to be. Because that was—it was a rough weekend, man. Like, you got five walk-off wins, so that was fun. But I don't think it was an overly well-played weekend of football. Uh, and the exclamation mark, Raiders, Jets, like that, it was just an abomination. Like, the Raiders get that touchdown, and it's, oh man, that feels out of reach now. And it wasn't because uh, the Raiders couldn't put the game away, but man, oh man, oh man, oh man, rough go, rough go on uh, on Sunday night. Um, other big storylines from the weekend: Ceedee Lamb is now among the elite in the NFL for wide receivers. Like he is, he is in that top tier discussion now. And I like that Dallas has kind of just been like, yeah, take it, go, just just go, take it, run. Um, that that is exactly what they needed for him, and exactly what he needed, I think. But th- this is an offense that I think can put a-, a bunch of points up there against bad defenses, we have seen that. You're not going to prove anything to us against the Giants. We know you can beat the Giants. Let's see what you can do against some of the- these other higher-quality teams now. That that has to be the next step for this Dallas Cowboys team if we're going to take them as a team that's for real. Like, that's great. You beat the Giants. You've done it before. And then you came out and shit the bed against the Eagles and the 49ers. So... I just can't take them seriously right now, but I can take C.D. Lamb seriously. Um, the Seattle Seahawks survive. They continue to be a really frustrating team to watch because you'll see it. Like when they flash up on red zone, it's great, man. Like it's Kenneth Walker just booking it, right? Or it's um, Lockett getting a pass deep over the middle and it's just like, gone. DK Metcalf, physical specimen, right? Or it's uh, Jack Charbonnet now is doing some things. But then you sit down and watch the actual game. It's like, man, there's long stretches where we're not seeing them on red zone because they're not doing a fucking thing. Um, this, it's just, I don't think they're a good team. Um, I I think that they are going to be one of those teams. I'm going to do this next week. I'm on Sports at 960 next week. So you get a bit more of the, again, kind of evergreeny type stuff from this. I think we're going to do a quarterback show next week and just like, who's got their quarterbacks for next year? And I don't think Seattle has theirs, quite frankly. Um, what else? Oh, that's a real bad loss for the Ravens. Just when I was about to take, just as I was taking this team seriously, you know, like when we moved them up to number two in the power rankings, it's Okay. This is this team. These guys are those dudes, right? Um, you can't have that. Like, that's that's a tough one from Lamar Jackson. It's tough to blame him when they put up 31 points, but the defense put them in some pretty good spots. Um, and that is a good Cleveland Browns defense that you were doing that against. But... You just can't have that kind of a collapse. That was a chance to really solidify yourself as the number two in the division. Um, As the day went, like Cincinnati loses. So you have a chance to put some space between yourselves, Cincinnati, and Cleveland and battle it out with whatever this Pittsburgh team is. You just, you can't have losses like that. Um, That's going to be the next step for Lamar, right? Like we all know he's really talented. There are some good guys around him. And it seems like they've picked up the offense. This defense is pretty good now too need big wins now for Lamar Jackson. And we just, we haven't seen it from him so far. Uh The Houston Texans might be a bit for real. Like CJ Stroud, it appears to be that dude. Um MVP is a bit much, I think, but playoffs could be, right? And like with, with the Bengals getting off to that slow start and the Bills being the Bills, it feels like there is at least one opening in this AFC playoff picture that CJ Stroud might just walk through. And that this is... Uh, there was a lot of criticism draft night when they made the trade to get Stroud and Will Anderson. Um, but this feels like a complete team now that you can add different pieces to 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 make it go from being um like five and four, nine and eight, ten and seven type, to oh damn, this is one of the best teams in the league. Like it it feels like they already it's that thing that we talk about. They had now, and we didn't think they did before, so credit to them. But they have that foundation now that we hadn't seen from them before. So credit to them for, for doing that um and last thing uh Mac Jones isn't it like Patriots are cooked what a, what an awful game awful game um and there was a lot of those this week like it's the the high level stuff is really good in the NFL this has been a bad year in the NFL man like this has been a really really bad year in the National Football League so on that note, let's get to a new thing. Um well new old thing. Uh it's called a diary entry. So if you're new to the program, um I take notes on everything and you know like th- some of this stuff like look at bigger picture, like oh where this team fits in in the east, where this team fits in, in the west, where is the AFC NFC, the uh, American League East whatever. Like try to do bigger picture type of things and storylines, but sometimes it's nice to just run through the notebook and see what did I see. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to do these for more Flames games that I do Game Over for, um, because I talk about, like, the big picture stuff on Game Over, by the way, on there tonight with Mark Dumont, as we do a, um, uh, head-to-head with them. So that is what we are going to be looking at, um, coming up tonight. But, um, so after that game... I'm going to have a full notebook full of stuff. I'm just going to run through like chronological order and go through it that way. So that is what's coming up now. It's time for a diary entry. All right, uh, let's get into it. So the Calgary Flames... um, The Calgary Flames get off to a pretty good start here against Ottawa. This is Flames against Ottawa from the weekend, uh, Saturday night. Um, the Flames get off to a pretty good start. There, there's good pressure from this team early on. You, you li- I really liked the start from Calgary. And you knew you were going to get a pretty good one. You're coming off of uh, a tough loss against Toronto. Um, it's a back-to-back. You know this team is going to come out and, and start to play pretty well. And they do that. Um, the, the, everything's flying, Coleman gets a chance, and then Menjapani draws a penalty, and so Calgary gets the power play. And one of the things I'll bring up a couple times tonight, I liked Zari on the power play. I, I thought that he was able to set a couple things up. He gets an entry here that led to a, a chance early on. And so it feels like Calgary has some of the momentum. Then Greer finds Coleman, and all of a sudden there's a chance. Um, Blake Coleman was fired out of a cannon uh, in that game. I really like Blake Coleman's game. So it feels like momentum is kind of on Calgary's side. But then Ottawa gets the puck and they start to push a little bit. And Sanderson shot; it's a laser. It gets deflected in by Matthew Joseph. Nothing Dustin Wolf can do. Um, he's been sent back down, which is fine. Um, quite frankly, this isn't really a dumpster fire. You want him around a whole lot anyway. So let him let him cook in the American Hockey League for a little bit more. Um, but he's he's great. He's the future. All of those things. Um, but this was such. This was so deflating for a couple of reasons. One, you had played so well, and then Ottawa comes back down and scores. And it's just like, man, here we go again. But also, th- this was part of a real rough night defensively for this group and this team is not good enough offensively to struggle this bad defensively but Joseph just was able to stand in front of the net and get that deflection like it was just the front of the net was too easy for Ottawa to get and that's been one of the things that's been frustrating for this team this is not an overly talented hockey team right I think we can all kind of agree on that at this point um they they don't make life difficult to play against them either like, the the other team can get through the neutral zone with relative ease, and that's a problem. Um, and then in the, the defensive zone, the, the Flames aren't making life challenging on anyone. Markstrom is bailing them out, but this was another one where it felt like earlier in the year, where the D zone is just wide open for teams, and it gets very frustrating and becomes a little bit easy. And so, I think you saw a couple of things highlighted in this early exchange, where this is a Flames team that struggles just putting the puck in the net, and... This is a Flames team that struggles defending. And both of those things kind of came back to haunt them. But they, they keep skating. They keep moving. And again, it's the kids. It's Pospisil drawing a penalty. And it's Zari setting up a pretty good chance um, as as he was wont to do in this game. And then uh, Huberto sets up a Hannafin chance. That gets stopped. Coleman... Um, gets another good chance. I really like, like I said, I really like Coleman's game all day long. But they're getting their chances. They're, they're just not able to capitalize them. Um, Uyghur gets a steal. That sets up a, a Lindholm chance. So, like, they, they they are getting their opportunities. But it's one we talk about with this team time and time again. Where's the finish? Um, you were supposed to get it from Coronado. He's in the American Hockey League. You were supposed to get it from Sharon Govich. Uh, he's not really doing that so far. Like, it's just there isn't the finish on this team to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Um, but you really start to see some good sustained pressure from Calgary as you close out the period. Like they, they started the first period. Well, had a bit of a blip, but then closed it out. Well, like I, I thought if you're scoring this as a, an MMA fight, you're giving the flames the first round 10 to nine, even though they took a pretty hard punch there. But then the second period, Ottawa gets a power play, Jacob Bernard Docker, um, off of a shot kind of created, um, a bit of pressure and that draws the penalty. Um, and then a chicken shot from the point gets deflected. It's up in the air. And as it's coming down, there are two sends, parked between, like, th- there is nobody between two Sens and Markstrom. Um, that's a problem. Again, like, it's too easy in front of the net. Sanderson bats it in. It's his third of the year. And now Ottawa's up 2 nothing. And now your great start and all of these things. And now you are really chasing this game. That was a real, real bummer for them. Uh, again, nothing in front. Um, Kubelik had a really strong play in the neutral zone that took one away from backland, which was a really, really nice play that set up a Tarasenko chance, but again, it was just out-muscled. I, I don't want to say outwilled because that's... we're getting a little whatever, but he just beat him up and beat him beat to the puck there. Um, and then this was such a great opportunity. Huberto gets a breakaway, and it's like, this could solve so many problems. Like, this dude just needs something going his way, and he gets a breakaway... And it's a nothing shot that gets cast aside so easily. And it's just like, of course, right? Like $10.5 million player. um, And that's, that's what we get out of that. Like it, it was just, it was rough, man. Um, where are we here? Oh yeah, then Zari gets a, another chance. Um, like, he just, he had a number of really good plays in this game. He makes a nice move at the blue, or a nice play at the blue line, holding it in, setting up uh, a Sharon Govich play. Like, Zari's not showing up on the score sheet in this game, um, but he had a lot of plays that you really like from him in this one that kind of swung play into the Flames' favor for at least a little bit, and this was certainly one of them. Um, and then off of a good, uh, a nice play from Pospisil, Coleman scores. Um, Hammonick kind of had a, your controller has disconnected moment for a moment. And then Pospisil is able to go out. We talked about it on game over. I don't know why. um, I think it was Corpusalo in that, right? I don't know why Corpusalo is so focused on Pospisil and his one career goal or whatever it is. And just, you know what? There's no way he's passing to Stanley Cup champion Blake Coleman right over there. But he does, and Coleman finishes, and now it's 2-1. to one. It's like, okay, you, your depth guys have come up, it's a big moment, now is your chance to really work your way back into it. Calgary gets a 5-on-3, uh, or sorry, gives up a 5-on-3 then, and that's where it kind of was a bit deflating. Like, Coleman had a great game, but he took a couple bad in, penalties in this game that just stopped that momentum cold for the Flames in this game. Um, they are able to survive a five-on-three, but then third period, Zadorov and his trade request turn the puck over behind the net, and then it's it's just quick bang 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 in the back of the net. Ottawa leads three to one, and then a bit later, Stutzla finds Homenick, and it's four to one, and then it's over. Like at that point, like the, the game is just done. Um, in the end, aside from goaltend, like I don't think this game was Wolf's fault. Um, in the end, offensively did not capitalize on your opportunities. Defensively, gave up too many opportunities too easily. And um special teams, you had some power play chances. I thought the penalty kill looked all right tonight. Um They do give up the one power play goal, albeit rather unconventionally. But there wasn't really one facet of the Flames game that you come away from it thinking, yeah, great, loved it. They, they played so well, just love that. So this is a, a Flames game that really... I think highlights what's wrong with this team and what needs to get fixed and there's gonna be a lot of changes in Calgary. I think probably over the next month even I think the ball is really rolling in that direction um and I think it's time like this is just it's not a good hockey team like that that is what it comes down to this is this team is just not good enough to really compete and be this old quite frankly. So there there is your diary entry. We're going to do more of these with the flames and more of these just in general. Um as the 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 sports year goes on into 2024. Now we close the show with a bit of fight talk. <music> UFC 295 going down at Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Two new champions crowned. Uh that was going to be the case regardless, but Two new champions crowned. In the co-main event, Tom Aspinall is the new interim UFC heavyweight champion with a win just over a minute in over Sergei Pavlovich. Um, Just the the difference in this fight, and it went a minute, but the reason that it only went a minute is because of the brick-like hands of Tom Aspinall. Perfectly set up punch, right, uh, maybe not even perfectly set up, but perfectly landed right on the temple. The right hook comes over the top, and it just, it buckles Pavlovich for a second, and then another right drops him. And it's curtains. It's done. This was one of the things. Like, both, the, against both these guys, you have to kind of be perfect, right? Like, Pavlovich has so many ways that he can beat you. Aspinall is just a tank, man. And I, I feel like he has a number of ways to beat you. But he is one of those guys where you kind of have to be perfect when you fight him. Because he can catch you once. And it's just, it's over. And that's what happened here. Caught him once. And it was over. Um, You feel bad for Pavlovich because, like, he gets caught. And that's it. Um, But... Like, he he won the first minute uh, until he gets punched in the brain. But, like, he, he showed early on, like, that, that striking is something to be threatened. And, again, the, the, he had a few tools in the toolbox. I just felt Aspinall being, was just a more dangerous fighter in all. And you see it play out over, I think it was a minute nine to, to put the, to kind of close the show. But another big moment for, for UK MMA, and this started out as the year of Mexican MMA, um, with Alexa Grosso with her win, and, and Moreno's a champion, and Rodriguez is getting these opportunities. This started as, as the year uh, for Mexican MMA. It might close as the year for UK MMA. They now have a heavyweight champion, um, albeit interim, but still. <laughs> the most recent fighter to win a, um, a fight in the UFC's heavyweight championship picture is Tom Aspinall. Um, so they have an interim champion. Leon Edwards is defending his title December 16th against Colby Covington for um, a a championship opportunity there. So this is, um, like he's defending his title. So this is a chance for UK MMA to go into 2024 really on a a real high note. And and I think, uh, that that's a market that and Canada are, were a major, major markets back in the, um, like early 2010s, late 2000s, I guess. Um, and they, that those have kind of gone away, I think in both cases. And, um, I think now both, they're working on rebuilding now with the the UK. Um, it's more the fighters for, uh, UFC. It's a a date in Toronto coming up in January. Um, in the, in, in the main event, it was Alex Pereira, uh, becoming a two division champion in just 11 professional fights with a win, um, over Yuri Prohachka. In the main event here and like this was a a really really good fight one of the things that jumped out to me early was how well Pereira survived the ground um that was not something I was anticipating from him I thought that was going to be a real edge in this fight for Pearl again maybe a bit more of the the well-rounded fighter but what what happens in this fight he gets the takedown pins him up against the, the cage there in the first round and then gets the takedown from there Pereira survives pretty well like um, is able to, to land a couple of good shots from top control, like get, get some good ground and pound in there. But overall, this was a, um, not an exchange. Like I, I thought that the exchange won prohotchka the round, but it was not this dominant like, okay, well, can't do that again. I think you come away from that with, with Pereira and his corner was saying like, you felt it now. Um, I think you come away being like, yeah, if I get taken down, I can get back up and I can survive. And that's what he did. Um, and so I think that gives you a lot of confidence and you see the second round, it was all on the feet, basically that there was a couple of, of clinch moments there from Prohotchka, but the, the, the ground was not even air, an area that Yuri really wanted to, to go into. And so I think Pereira kind of checked that box and then the investment in the leg kicks was very obvious. Uh, was limping on it about two minutes in and it was it was noticeable it's so quick the strikes that he is able to get off and then the, the finish comes um Prohotchka's landing a couple good shots he did a good job there in that second round um of kind of cornering Prohotchka getting him up against the fence and just kind of teeing off that was a, a really big moment for him but then he gets caught coming in it's a counter just pop pop it drops Prohotchka elbows start coming down while Prohotchka's going for for takedown defense and one of them absolutely buckles Prohotchka and down he goes. It was, it was a hotly debated stoppage. I had no problem with it. Um, and I, like, I I was watching it after I knew what had happened, and so I was waiting for this bad stoppage. And, like, in the moment, you can absolutely see, like, Prohotchka doesn't seem like he's that out, and he gets up pretty alright. But when you go back and look at the replay, like, one of those elbows, and he just kind of folds and collapses back. And so when you see that, like, if that had happened, if those two were just standing, like, just face-to-face, mano-a-mano, and Prohotchka throws, like, an old David Loazzo-type elbow over the top, and, like, he's throwing it like it's a right hook, and it catches Prohotchka, and he falls in that way, you're gonna stop the fight. It it, It would be entirely dramatic and just, like, folding back like a building. But because it was kind of, like, it was in almost this like visually muffled way, like you just you don't you don't see the full effect of it because he's already on his knees and then he kind of just goes back in a way that he would anyway. Um, it looks like it's a bad stoppage. I had no problem with the stoppage, but now we are talking about one of the best starts to an MMA career in the history of this sport with what Alex Pereira has been able to do. And look, I I have underestimated this guy as, oh, he just, he happened to get a win against the right dude in kickboxing. This guy is legit. He is perfect for 205 pounds. And we've seen a lot of instability at 205. Um, for a very long time. I was going to say since Jon Jones. That is not an era that's going to be remembered for stability at the top of 205 pounds. But, you you know what I mean. From a championship perspective, it's gone from this title fight. Oh, that was a draw. Well, we're going to have 200 different guys. And, okay, well, now now that guy's hurt. So, we're going to, like, it's been, it has been all over the place. Now, I think you have that cornerstone of the 205-pound division. And his name is Alex Pereira. Um, all right. Let's wrap up the show with today's Ticket. four games on today's ticket this evening we will start with uh the NBA the Denver Nuggets taking on the LA Clippers um LA's experiment with James Harden hasn't worked yet um i know Murray's banged up right now but i think that this is this is a scenario that Jokic i think can really take advantage of and so i i think this is going to be one of those ones where the talking head shows after the the next day are going to be like oh my god the clippers are fucked Um, I, I think the Nuggets beat them up, so I, I love taking Denver minus five and a half. Um, Atlanta minus three and a half against Detroit. Um, I, I just think even though Trey isn't lighting the world on fire, Atlanta's playing some decent basketball and I, I still don't buy anything that Detroit is selling at the current moment moving into the NHL um, Arizona's playing some pretty good hockey right now and I can get them plus one and a half at not bad odds against the Dallas Stars so we're just going to do that um they are plus 195 to win that's not going to be a, an officially tracked one but we're we'll sprinkle we'll sprinkle on that little money line there um, and then Tampa Bay to beat up St. Louis tonight minus a goal and a half I, I think the lightning are better so we're gonna go with that. So, uh, four games on today's ticket. That is today's show. Thank you all so much. Uh, again, you can catch me tonight on Game Over um, on the SDPN YouTube channel. It's a head-to-head. It's me and Mark Dumas after the um, Habs and Flames game wraps up, so we're going to be um, to watch out for that. Um, coming up in part two of the show today, we're going to look at early storylines from the Great Cup, and then it's a focus on the waiver wire, the stupid good fantasy football team, um, and then we're going to close with a, a couple thoughts of mine from the Rocky Mountain Classic this week. So um, stay tuned for that. It's going to be up like basically right after this is up. Um, so check all of that out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. Like this video, subscribe to the channel. And uh, yeah, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv PrimetimePK. And you can email this show, couchpotatordiary at Yahoo.com. Thank you all so much. And I will talk to you all very soon.